Welcome to the Tanika Chambers Show, where I talk about love, life, and faith with some pretty amazing people I know who are making a positive difference in this world. Today on the show, I'll be talking to Shalita O'Neill, the nonprofitista. She is a wife, mother, and a nonprofit coach. Are you passionate about a cause? Feel like God placed you in this world to solve a problem? Make a difference? Then keep listening. Something said on today's show could very well be the answer you didn't know you were waiting for. But first, a word from our number one sponsor. Thank you, Robert Chambers. If you'd like to play piano by ear from the comforts of your home, visit anykeymusic.com. Now let's get back into the interview. Before we go into our interview, I can't help but to ask, how are you coping with this COVID-19 situation? Because here in Toronto, Canada, people are going crazy. Like our shelves are empty, no toilet paper found. What's happening where you are? Well, it's the same here, but for me, it's kind of weird. I'm an an introverted extrovert. So Mm. my husband and I, and we're sort of, you know, doomsday preppers in a way, and I'm growing food and all that. So we've been ready for something like this for a minute. So, you know, I'm I'm okay with being home and having an opportunity to spend more time with my family and, you know, getting caught up on things I haven't been able to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm maintaining. Awesome. Well, we were on our last, I would say we were on our third roll. (laughs) <laughs> wow. we had only three and we were like yeah we're gonna go out today did I? and then all of a sudden this stuff happened and we were like um yeah. and so we went to the store and i was like are you kidding me like is this really <laughs> like is this like for it's, real it's the apocalypse the zombie apocalypse that's what it is <laughs> i don't know there's people all on there on both sides you know you have people who are really really panicking you have other people who are sort of you know just like it's gonna pass and and everybody in between. So, you know, we'll, I just hope we get on top of this soon so I know. that, um, you know, things can get back to try, as normal as possible because people are losing money, you know, different oh, yeah. businesses, people can't go to work and laying people you know, so, off. Yes. 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 It's, 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 it's big, but those who have online courses and, you know, can really get on this virtual thing yes. are really going to be helpful. Exactly. Exactly. So talking about nonprofit organizations today. So how did you get into this line of work as a nonprofit coach? Well, it didn't start out this way. I actually started my own organization um, about almost 15 years ago. And I've just been in this nonprofit space for for a long time and have learned my own lessons. Uh, You know, I I initially went in working for young people aging out of the foster care system. And Mm. um, I got to a point where I wanted to be able to use my gifts and talents to help other I like to call nonprofit visionaries to Mm. create solutions in their community. So that's sort of where it stemmed out of. So you managed to raise over $2 million. Did you manage to do that? Yeah. Well, I I attribute it to relationship building. It is all Ah. about relationships. And and yes, you know, I, I wrote a lot of grants. I'm a really good grant writer really good storyteller as it pertains, you know, to, to writing and that helped me. But the biggest thing that it was, was being able to, to one, be a part of different communities in the, or committees in the community to have my ears to the mm. ground, to be visible, to develop relationships. That was what really helped me because one person that may have been a resource connected me to someone else who may have had funding. And then that person connected me to someone else and that person and so on and so forth. So that's how, you know, every little bit comes together to, to make something substantial. So who would you say is a good candidate for this kind of work, nonprofits? Well, you, you, it's not one 
personality type, but I would say mm-hmm. you need to be a, a people person or, mm-hmm. you know, not be afraid to, um, to work with other people, to put yourself out there. You have to not be afraid to ask for help when you need it. Because there are going to be times when you don't know something and you're going to need to reach out to someone. And that's a critical part of team building. When you get volunteers or people that are going to help you with your organization, you have to be a good leader and one that people want to follow and have confidence in. Awesome. Okay. So what are some of the common challenges you would say or roadblocks to starting a nonprofit organization? I think first it's that people don't really understand the the different moving pieces that go along with it. It doesn't necessarily have to be super hard. You know, Um, when we try to do things by ourselves, things are super hard, especially when we don't have the knowledge base. But Mm -hmm. if if you're not looking at or you don't have someone to walk you through, if you don't know what the different pieces are, it can be very overwhelming. And people tend to just give up at that point. Uh, Another barrier is people not really understanding their own relationship with money and how that influences how they feel about fundraising. Because mm. you know, mm. as a nonprofit, you know, fundraiser, you're going to have to raise funds in one way, shape or form. But many of us who are starting organizations, we're coming from impoverished communities or low resource or, you know, things have happened to us or we've been a part of the, the population that we're trying to help at some point in our life. Right. Right. And so our mindset may not be there. So raising money will, you know, our, our thoughts around raising money is a barrier to raising money. <laughs> so that's, that's mm. it. And, and, the, and the other thing I would say is people don't do research to see who's doing something similar, or, mm. you know, don't recreate the wheel. If, if there's another organization in your community that's doing something similar, reach out for collaboration. But a lot of people don't do the research beforehand and then they get caught uh-huh. up afterwards. Okay. And that's what you help help individuals to do, yes. your clients. Ah, okay. Yes. So do you, do you have a client success story to share with us? I have a, a couple of client success stories. So one um, is actually uh, more recent where um, it's a, a local organization who's uh, working resili- resiliently you resource center and mm. they um, they want to help young adults aging out of foster care who may have been addicted to substances or have people in their family addicted to substances who need some support mm. and I've been so proud of them because we you know she had this dream and had this this concept and once she actually she listened to the coaching you know, we brought it all together and made it make sense. And now she's got a board member or a board of seven individuals. Her branding is amazing. She's starting to do the work, you know, raising the funds to do the work that she, you know, or to the programming that she, that she wants to have in the community. So I'm really proud of her because sometimes people will take the coaching and sometimes they won't, but I see a, a bright future for her and especially picking up the baton with helping foster youth and, and the city. Mm-hmm. Um, another another client of mine, she's in New York, and she also is working with young adults um, leaving foster care, and she was able to secure $20,000 in, in a contract for wow. her organization's work, and we had worked to help you. She went through my uh, launcher organization in 30 days. She went through the raise $10,000 for your organization in 90 days challenge that I had. She went through all of those programs that I had Ooh. and she was able to secure that $20,000. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. So what if someone is starting a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are the first three things that they should do? 
I would say the first thing is to really dig into why or reflect on why you want to start the organization. Mm-hmm. Because there's a key thing, you know, we all are in our different stages of our healing process, if mm. we acknowledge it or not. And, um, you know, like I said, we, we tend to start organizations to help people that have been where we are. And sometimes we, you know, feel like it's easier to heal others than it is to heal ourselves and to look mm. at why we want to give back so badly and how is that going to help us. And oh, wow. That's good. I Yeah. And I don't say that to say don't, you know, there's something wrong with that, but you have to be aware that that's your process and mm-hmm. that you're trying to give back in that way so that, you know, any triggers that come up for you, you'll be ready for. So oh, to really, good. you know, check that, you know, why am I starting this in the first place? What's the type of impact that I want to have? You know, what parts of me am I trying to heal? That mm. conversation is, is really important. That, um, Shalina, what you just said right there is some deep stuff right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is the part of my messaging hole without holes being truly single, whether you're married or, or single, looking at those areas within ourselves that we need to heal. What you just said there was, uh, I think it's very profound. We all have our healing process, you know, but being aware of that ahead of time, it's not like we're projecting, you know, it's, it's different. If you don't know that you need to heal, sometimes we have the, the tendency to project what we want or what we wish we would have had for our own healing process on those that we're trying to help. And that may not be helpful, but Ah. realizing that, Hey, you know, I'm going through this process. So these things may come up for me. So when they do come up, then you have your own tools that you can use to address it. And so it doesn't spill out on the people that you're trying to help. Right. So that's a big piece. And not even just, you know, in the context of healing, but also what is, where's your emotional intelligence? Mm. Like what, look at, look at, like get to know who you are because however, whatever you are showing up as or, or identifying with in a moment is going to manifest in your organization. Okay. It's going to manifest in anything that you do. So that's first. The second I would say is to, again, look in who is doing something similar to you in your community, or maybe it's not even in your community. Maybe it's in another country. Maybe it's in another part of the, the you know, part of our country. Well, you're in, you're in Canada, but you know, I'm, I'm in the U.S. So I tell my um, clients, regardless of where you are, what, you know, right. where, who is someone doing something similar to you? If yeah. so, you know, why don't you reach out and see, well, okay, well maybe get an inside scoop of what, they, how do they do what they do? What are some of the pain points that they have? You know, so that it can inform your work. Maybe you can collaborate. Maybe you can't, but you don't have to recreate the wheel. You can say, well, who else is doing this? And maybe I like what they're doing, but I want to add this, you know, because no one is, is you. You're you're unique and you bring right. your own, I like to say, your own sauce to it, you know? Maybe, I don't know if it's the majority, but some people would see um, someone else doing something and think, okay, well, it's already been done. So I need to do something no. else. So you're saying no. Absolutely not. I'm saying that. You know, oh, take it into consideration that it's already being done and see how it's already being done. And that can help inform you because maybe there's something missing. Maybe there's something okay. you want to bring to it. And there's so many people in the world. There's so many, you know, so many people who need support that mm-hmm. not one person or two or even three can can address the need. So don't let that discourage you. We are as humans are all connected. 
you know, mm-hmm. we're all connected. There's nothing new under the sun. And so, but it's, it's, it's how we do it. We all have our own different flavor to how we do things. Exactly. And it's going to take all of us to come together to meet the needs. It's like, you know, I don't care what language you speak. I don't care where you're from. We all have some of the same or similar issues mm-hmm. as it pertains to family, as it pertains to things that are happening in our community, as it pertains to how we process our emotions. We can all relate to that. So never get discouraged mm-hmm. and think that, well, someone else is doing it. I'm not going to do it. Because you could very well be the person assigned to help them. Right. Absolutely. And the third mm-hmm. thing that I would say is yes. in, um, to make sure that you um, are thinking of who's going to be a part of your tribe. Mm-hmm. And when I say tribe, your volunteers, yes. your team, the people that are going to help you bring your nonprofit vision to life. Because mm-hmm. you can't do this work by yourself. You absolutely cannot. And people try every day, but they get burned out. They give up because they don't have people around them that can, you know, we're talented, but there are people out there who want to help you. And maybe they're good at something that you're not at and give them the opportunity to help you, allow them to bless you by helping you. And it helps you overall because then you get more done and you don't burn out. That's key. Be careful that we don't take on stuff we shouldn't take on. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. So how do you encourage Nonprofit vision. I mean, Shalita is encouraging people all the time. Like her YouTube is amazing. I think this, she really knows her stuff. You really know your stuff, Shalita. I just enjoy watching your YouTube videos. And so, um, how you call it nonprofit visionaries. I love that. Um, how do you encourage them? First, I'd like to, you know, make sure people realize that you can't separate the personal piece from the professional piece. So what you're trying to do in your nonprofit, it is okay that you're leading with your heart and that you're wanting to create something. So, you know, I I like to relate to my nonprofit visionaries and say that most of us at some point, we're still working a nine to five. So how can I provide information to help them to be able to pursue their nonprofit dream, but in the context of their reality, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right. So, um, anything else you have to sh- want to share about that vision? How did? Why did you say visionaries? I said visionaries because that's what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. what we want to create in the world, and mm-hmm. um, you know, so so I put nonprofit in front of it because it's specific to nonprofit. But but all of us, there's an intersectionality in, in who we are and all of what we do. You know, so we're visionaries in so many different ways. But you know, I, f- I felt like that's more. Uh, that's more staying true to this population of, of people. You're, you're envisioning something like this is something you're trying to create in the world. And that's, and that's okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. There is so much about this beautiful, wonderful lady on this podcast with me today. And uh, you couldn't tell just, you know, just hearing, hearing her talk right now. You couldn't tell that this, this woman, oh. man, I feel it. (laughs) This woman has walked through her story. Um, She grew up in a foster care. And um, I'm just going to ask her to share a little bit of her journey um, with us. You know, I feel emotional because just, I'm just so uh, proud of where she's, how how she's come through what she's come through. It's it's a testimony. Her life is a testimony. Mm -hmm. It really is. So, uh, Shalita, let's take us back to growing up as a little girl and you end up in foster care and you can just share what you we feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much. Um, 
you know, I think a lot of times we move through life and we don't take the time to look back and see how we've gotten to where we are and to really show ourselves compassion yeah. on our journey getting there. And so mm. I thank you for that. And I thank you for the opportunity um, to be able to do that and share with others. I, I came into, uh, my mother was murdered when I was almost three years old and mm. my father was not in the picture. I've never met him a day in my life. And so I went to go live with my grandmother who, um, you know, she was battling her own things. She, you know, was an, was an alcoholic and, and mm. she was verbally abusive and things like that. Of course, you know, when she would, when she would drink, but she was trying to do the best that she could, um, mm-hmm. for me, um, as a, you know, as in her sixties or something, trying to raise a, uh, um, a, a three-year-old. And so I lived with her until I was five. And my uncle, who was my, my uh, mother's brother decided that I, could come live with him because he mm. could do a, a better job. And, and honestly, at that time, uh, that made sense because he was the doing the best in the family right. and he had his own house and, you know, I had my own room, but then, um, you know, he also had his own demons to, to work through his own trauma that, right. um, you know, he was working through. I mean, and I think of what happened, you know, if, if I was in his situation where his sister, who was very close to my mom, you know, murdered like because you imagine a family member that close he was murdered no one knows who did it and now you have this like little girl that people are trying to take care of because her mother was killed so he had his own um his own trauma and but that spilled out onto me and i you know where he would physically beat me very badly Um, oh my god and um you know there's times where instances where i was molested and (sighs) You know, just verbal abuse. It, it was it was really, really, really bad, and it got to the point where the mm. doctors um, saw the bruises and um, said, "Well, we're going to have to call CPS to let somebody know about this." Mm-hmm. And at that point, he um, took me to Georgia and left me there with uh, mm-hmm. a, one of his girlfriends who I hadn't known that long, but mm. she um, had her three kids, and you know, I lived there with them for a couple of months before wow. I begged them to bring me back to Maryland. So, you know, then that's when I officially went to foster care. And, and for those who don't know, foster care, I mean, children, you know, we hear, hear these um, myths and these um, stereotypes about young people that go into foster care, but they go into foster care because their parents are unable to care for them for one yeah. reason or another. And mm-hmm. most times it's because of um, a neglect. So abuse and, and mine was, was abuse. And mm-hmm. so it's not that the child is there's something wrong with the child. It's, it's something in the situation where they, their parents can no longer care for them. So, you know, I officially went into foster care when I was uh, 14 years old. Mm. I bounced back and forth between different foster families. I went, um, went to a group home before I went away to college. And that, you know, that whole process was, um, or experience was, was lonely at times. Because, you know, as a teenager, you're already supposed to be naturally figuring out your place in the world. And, right. you know, and I, I didn't know my place. I, I wanted to be adopted, but that wasn't a conversation that people had with me of being a possibility. I, tr- I wanted to be accepted. You know, the families that I lived in, I did everything that I thought they would want a child to do. You know, I cooked, I cleaned, you know, I I was working since I was 13 years old with my little permit. Mm -hmm. I was doing well in school, you know, all those things that that people say they want their child to, but no one, it just seemed like people would only see, you know, my situation or, you know, maybe, you know, I was depressed, I was going through depression and things like that. And so people are, are, they, they see behaviors and they don't look past 
behaviors mm. to see the promise. I will say that there were people along the way that did see my potential when I didn't mm. see it and they did pour into me and they were my mentors. And, you know, it, it wasn't like it was one in particular person. It was different people who said, you know what, I'm going to go above and beyond. You know, there's my social workers that did it or group home staff that, you know, made sure that I knew how to fill out my college applications or, you know, when I was, um, went away to college that I had the things I needed for the dorms. You know, people don't even right. think about that, you know, for young people who are in foster care or, you know, maybe first generation, their mm. parents don't have the resources to, okay, you got to have your, your shower caddy, you got to have your sheets, you got to have pillows, you got to mm. have, you know, stuff like that right. to move yeah. to campus. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that was my early upbringing. And, and when I, um, when I graduate or left or um, aged out of foster care, which is 21 here mm. in the States, it's 21 and some, um, in some States, not all States. And there's still a lot of States that it's 18 years old. And then you're supposed mm. to be, you're out on your own. There's no more support. Like mm. you have to be an adult at 18 or right. 21. And we've got people who have children that are like 30, 40, that have come back and come back to their home, you know, to live with them. They're not ready. Mm -hmm. So why would you think an 18 or 21 year old would be be ready? ready. But but yeah, so, um, you know, after I I left um, or aged out of foster care and um, I started my first organization because I wanted to give back to Mm. others who were in foster care because I got information because, you know, like I I knew Mm. people survive in different ways. And my thing was, okay, I'm seeing that if I don't behave, then I don't get information or, you know, or the thing, Mm. these things are going to happen to me and I don't want them to happen to me. So I'm going to, you know, behave. And and unfortunately, and I guess fortunately and unfortunately, it's fortunate for me, I got information, unfortunately, for my peers who did not see it that way, who were rightfully angry Mm. and would act out. um, They didn't get the same type of information. I think that I didn't think that was right. So, you know, that, that led me and fueled my passion. And like I tell my nonprofit visionaries, you know, I, cause I can relate. I started my first organization out of necessity and out of me wanting to help others like myself. And, you know, um, I, I wasn't quite sure of my own healing process at that time because I was so early on and so young in it. But, um, you know, I, I was able to meet my husband in college and, um, <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah. And happily married for, for 12 years and oh, I have that? a beautiful nine-year-old little boy. And these things mean so much oh. to me because at, mm-hmm. some, at one point people never thought they looked at me and my situation and never thought that I could have something like this. I never thought wow. that I could have something like this. And, mm. and I get a chance to change things for my son. I get a chance to break the intergenerational trauma, generational curse. It means so much to me. So, you know, I'm still working through my own healing process, I didn't even really understand mm. all the things that I was processing or holding on to mm. un- until maybe like three or four years ago when I was when wow. I committed to this journey of introspection. Mm. And I'm still unpacking things. You know that that's my story, and um, I, I, I and like you said, it is a testimony, and I'm not ashamed of it because yes. I feel like the more that I can share different pieces of it, it'll help other people who are going through the same or similar situation to know that everything you need to get through your situation, you already have inside of you and you can make it, you know, you can make your future what it is you want it to be. It does not have to be defined by other people. Amen. Amen. Amazing. So for that girl who could be living in a foster home, who could be listening, maybe somebody works with foster children and they may forward this message to them. What words of encouragement could you speak directly to their heart? 
What would you tell your younger self who was in that um, foster home? What would you encourage her? Mm -hmm. Well, I would tell her, I would tell her that life isn't fair. You know, um, whatever you're feeling about it, the frustration that you're feeling about your situation is completely normal. It's okay. And it's, you're right. You know, life is, it's not fair. This, this shouldn't be happening to you. And, um, but what I'll also say is that depending on how you shift your perspective about what's happening to you, you can turn that into a testimony, right? Um, It, I didn't understand and I don't expect young people that are in foster care, young women that are in foster care to really get this at this point, right? It's just a seed planted. But I didn't mm. understand the trauma of the other people around me that are were inflicting trauma on me. And mm. I took it personally. I took mm. it personally. Don't take it personally. As personal as it feels and as personal as it is, mm. you know what I mean? Like tangibly, I don't know. It, it, mm. it may not make sense, but the people who are doing what they are doing to you or haven't been there for you, they have their own trauma and they are unsure of how to even process their own stuff. Mm. And it's spilling out on you and it's not your fault and it's not mm. fair. So, but the, the thing that you can do is try to find gems and everybody in every situation that you're in, you can always find a reason to not like your situation or to not take advantage of a, of a resource or, you know, or you can always err to the side of, oh, this is not fair. I'm a victim, you know, because ultimately um, your feelings and how you feel, there's nothing wrong with it. You would be right. You know, that this, you are a victim, but what does that mean to you? You know, you may be victimized, mm. but you don't have to be a victim. And so there are people along the way, those people who are helping you or giving you a little bit of information or, mm. you know, who, who are telling you something, you know, planting these seeds here and there that are trying to help you listen to them. Find people who you can, um, who you want to be like, right? Or who who are doing positive things that that you want to learn more about and reach out to those people. Be mindful of who you surround yourself with. And sometimes you don't have a choice. If you're going through different foster homes or things like that, you don't have a choice over where you go and your foster home. And I get that. But if when and if you have an opportunity to start building your own supportive network of positive people, do it. Because those people, it's all about, you know, what I've learned is it's all about who you know. And when you align yourself with positive people, then yes. positive things start to happen to you. And they're able to pull things out of you positively that you didn't even know were there. So, you know, there's so much I could say. But to my younger self, I would I would say those things. And, and I would say, just keep going. Just mm-hmm. keep going. Even in those dark moments. When you feel like you're the problem, you feel like you need to eliminate yourself or you need to do, you know, harm yourself. Because I had those thoughts on mm. multiple occasions when I was coming up that I thought I was a burden on others. And then if I took my own life, then, you know, I wouldn't be mm. a burden. And mm. I was wrong. I was mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. And and the feeling is not wrong, but it's all about what you do with those feelings and how you channel it. Because had I done that the work I've been able to do and the young people I've been able to help and the lives I've been able to inspire, that wouldn't have happened, you know, and, and tell me that all the time. And, and, and I'm humble to the point where, and sometimes, you know, just foolish in that where I don't see uh, when other people say, Shalita, you saved my life or this event that you had transformed my life. I, and I'm like, Oh no, no, 
they mean it because people don't just tell you that lightly, mm-hmm. you know. So, so you young, young, young woman, young man, you know, who are in foster care and are trying to figure this, you are a gem and you are going to save somebody's mm. life someday. But right now you just got to focus on saving your own. Oh, keep going. That's good. Keep going, keep going, keep, keep going. going, keep going. Thank you, Shalita, for sharing those words. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's touching us and all everyone listening in different ways. What you said, uh, taking your mess and yeah. giving, you know, making a message out of it as well. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you've conquered. Yeah, no problem. You've conquered, you know, many mountains. What are you conquering next? What is next? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, I just found out with this word polymath, you know, I haven't and it's been around forever, you know, but I, I had never used it or heard of polymath. Someone was just different things. Yeah. Polymath. Polymath. P-O-L-Y-M-A-T-H, polymath. Okay. And I'm like, okay, okay. So many, like I'm doing many different things um, and I'm, I'm, but I'm also learning to focus. Um, I actually am finishing up my very first book. Oh. Um, yeah. Called Choosing Peace, One Orphan's, um, One Orphan's Journey on Recovering from Childhood Trauma. So a lot of what I shared and even more in detail, you know, some of the things that happened Mm -hmm. to me and how as an adult, I'm processing those things. So for me, it's been about three or four years in the making. Every mm. time I tried to write it or sit down to write, it opened up something else for me and I needed to take a break. Mm. But I have finally gotten to the point where I'm I'm going to just, you know, um, let it go. And, and awesome. um, you know, so I'm excited about the finishing stages or the final stages of that so that I can um, share that with the world. And oh. of course, I'm still you know doing my nonprofit coaching and I'm really pouring more into that. And, and um, I just launched a company called Grow Charity Events, which really focuses on helping nonprofit visionaries who are just starting out with with planning and executing successful events. Oh, that's but awesome. from a stri- yeah, but from a strategic plan um, standpoint. So not just you know using the event as a strategy to increase your your um, your uh, your community or to increase your resources. So um, and and what I was saying earlier about how did I raise two million dollars? Okay events were a part of that but it was the people that I met at the events and mm-hmm. the work that I did with those people after the events that led to the resources and me being able to get what I needed so my my hope is that I'm able to help others you know nonprofit visionaries use their events to increase their community and their networks and their support systems so they can get what they need. Connect with her. Come through. I got everything you need. But even <laughs> and, and we were planning a, um, a Visionaries of Color nonprofit summit for April 18th. It was going to be in person, but because of the, the COVID-19, um, yeah. 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 it's going to be virtual. So and yeah. I share that because, you know, now that it's virtual, everyone, regardless of what country or what state or wherever you're at, can chime in and, and that's really going to be an event where we bring nonprofit elders. I like to call elders who have been in the, in the nonprofit space forever and have been able to amass the, the, the supports they need. Um, who are going to share with us nonprofit visionaries, mm-hmm. how we can do the same thing. We have a, an attorney that's going to be talking about nonprofit compliance. We have funders mm. 
who are going to be talking about how to make yourself competitive for, um, you know, for funding. So um, I'll make sure I share that information with you so you can share it with your network. So anybody that's interested can just pop on in. Perfect. And so how can people follow or reach you, reach out to you? Yes. So they can follow me on IG at the nonprofitista. They can also, I'm on YouTube too. So Shalita, the nonprofitista O'Neill, I have a whole bunch of YouTube videos on nonprofit um, topics. And they can also go to my website, shalitaoneal.com. Well, let's connect with Shalita. She knows what she's doing, as I said, and and she'll just be the one to cheer us on. I don't know, one day, I'm going to have to have Shalita back because when she finishes her book, have her back. (laughs) I would love that. I would love that. Yes. Awesome. So I just want to thank you so much, Shalita. You know, I believe our paths got crossed for a purpose and reason. And look, here we are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm just, I'm just beaming. I'm excited. I'm grateful. And you are doing some wonderful things. This is just wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Shalita. So let God breathe on it, connect with the right people so that you can birth that Uh thing. Yes. Yes. Well, that's it for now. And so next month, we're going to be talking to a McKinney Smith, the author of the book, A Walk in My Stilettos. Uh, Divorce had rocked her life, but she bounced back stronger than ever, has found love again. And well, you're going to have to tune in next month to hear what we're going to talk about. It's going to be another great show. All right. So once again, thank you so much for, for joining me subscribe to this show. You can always connect with me on Facebook, Tanika Chambers Ministries. And remember that God has a master plan with your name on it. We'll see you next time. 